Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. It's great to be here. And Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie, they've got 14 grandkids, plus two on the way, I think it is. And uh, so they're, they're filling the thing themselves, you know. So it's just, that is cool. Reminds me of the, uh, of the, the grandma that had two of, of her grandsons over, just little guys. And so she was putting them to bed and she said, now, boys, don't forget to pray before you go to bed. So they both knelt down alongside the bed. Grandma was in, in the room there and said, okay, you pray. So they started praying. Well, the youngest one starts shouting out at the top of his lungs, oh, God, you know that I need a new iPad and a bicycle and an iPhone and a PlayStation. And he's yelling out at the top of his lungs. So, he, so his, his bigger brother says, hey, hey, hey. You don't have to scream at God. He's not deaf. He says, I know, but Grandma is. <laughs> so, so Grandma's in the room. Give her the list. <laughs> you know, talking about kids, you know, if you're parents, you know that there's a certain age, usually it's about two or three, it's when, when, when your kids start talking, that you'll start to give them instructions, and all of a sudden... This curiosity thing will, will, will rise up in them and they'll start to ask the famous question, why? 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 You know, you, you, you'll say something, dad, 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 why? Why? Well, why? You'll say something, why? Why? And it's, you know, it's this curiosity and it's totally normal. It's to- totally natural to ask the question, why? But that question seems to stick with us throughout our whole life. And sometimes it segues out of the curiosity stage. And I think sometimes as we become adults, it goes into the doubting stage. You know, it might not be, it'll be the same word, but pronounced a little different. Instead of why, why, why? It's, well, why? You know, and sometimes it, it comes with a different facial expression. Well, well, why is that? Well, why? And, you know, and, and, and it happens. And, and so many times it segues into this doubt thing. And, and, and that question why so many times will, will, will detain people from living, I believe, what God has for them. You know, based on that truth of what happens, the why of curiosity segueing into the why of sometimes doubt, that, that holds back men and women from living some of the most extraordinary experiences in the dreams in their life. One of the, one of the greatest companies, I think, of, of I, our generation, it's an international company, uh, started a promotional campaign using that question why and totally leaping over that because in their promotional campaign, they, they came up with a slogan. The slogan is three words in English. Just do it. Oh, yeah. Who did that? Nike. Nike. Just do it. So many adults go into, you know, we go into the, the well, why, why, why? And so they, they start this promotional campaign of just do it and, and and, and by doing that, that slogan, just do it, basically they were, they were announcing to the world 
three or four things, and I, and I thought about them, I wrote them down. With three short words, you know, in, in English, three short words, in Spanish it's only two. Actually, you can do it in one. In Spanish it's, it's solo hazlo, or you can actually just say hazlo. Do it. But in three short words, they communicated so much. For example, they communicated, don't focus on the sacrifice, focus on the prize. With three short words, just do it. They communicated, don't ask why, live the experience. With three short words, they communicated, you'll never know what's on the other side until you go for it and find out. With three short words, they can be communicated that only the slow and complicated get bogged down with the wise, intelligent people just do it. And the world bought it wholeheartedly. And we've bought millions and billions of dollars of, of sports equipment. And, and, and Nike, with three short words, blew the whole concept of why out of the water and helped a, a generation jump over that and go to the, well, just do it theme. And, you know, it's awesome. It was, it, it was intelligent. But actually, they're not the first ones to have coined that phrase. Just do it. The truth is, thousands of years before Nike came up with the phrase, just do it, Mother Mary said it. Mother Mary. The mother of Jesus. She actually owns the rights to the phrase, just do it. Nike should be paying heaven royalties or us because we're the church. That would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, a long time ago, the Bible says in John 2, and I'll just kind of share this story with you. So I'm just kind of laying the, the foundation of, of, of what, what we want to talk about. In, in, in the Bible, in John 2, the Bible says Jesus was with his mother Mary at a wedding. And at this wedding, the celebration, there was a problem. They, they ran out of wine. The hosts didn't calculate right. They ran out of wine. And so they, somehow they hooked up with Mary, told Mary their problems. She felt compassion for them, talked to Jesus. And, and, and some of y'all know the story. But basically, she went to the host and said, look. She said, this is what the scoop is. I know my son. He's a good guy. Just, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. You can read it in your Bibles. It's in John 2, verse 3 to 5. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And she was the first one to coin the phrase, just do it. And she was talking about what Jesus said. So Mary said, whatever Jesus tells you, just do it. Just do it. And, and, and that is the most incredible counsel in my opinion, that there is in the world. One of the most simple phrases, and we're talking about simple stuff. Today will not be complicated. It, basically, that's it. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. Isn't that simple? Unfortunately, I believe that many of us Christians, and you may be sitting here in this auditorium today, you don't consider yourself a Christian. You, maybe you don't consider yourself a, a Christ follower. And, and I'm so glad you're here. And, and, and I, want, I, want, I want to just ask you, stick with me. 
Because there's going to be something that's really good for you today. But I believe that so many of us Christ followers, we've, we've gotten stuck with the whys, and we haven't followed the instruction of Mary, just the simple, whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. And I think we get complicated with, 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 with these questions of, well, well, if I can understand it, well, then I'll do it. Or if I can... It, or let me inform myself on that. So we take out our smartphones and we, we get into Wikipedia and this and that. And it, it, first I inform myself and then we'll, we'll figure it out. Or, or we, we want to understand it before we do it. And Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. So, so many times we get hung up on the wise. And instead of following that instruction... We're wondering why, and we miss out on some of the most incredible, awesome experiences in life. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Just the simple statement of whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Just do it. And to do that, I want to share a Bible story with you. The Bible story, the character for today is, is Naaman. Naaman, you'll find this, this story in your Bible. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 1 to kind of give us a context of what's going on here. Then we're going to look at, at the story and, and get into this thing about just doing it. The Bible says this about Naaman. It says, Naaman, 1 Kings, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. So our main character for today, his story starts out, there's this influential, wealthy, well-esteemed man who has a situation in his life. He, he, he had an incurable disease. So what comes next is he, he's got somebody on his staff. Just The Bible says it's a, it's a young lady. And when she knew what was up with her boss, with Naaman, she said this. She said, oh, I wish so much that Naaman could go to Israel because there's a prophet in Israel. He'll give Naaman the word of the Lord and Naaman could be healed. Well, Naaman heard that and decided... Well, if there's a chance that I could get the word of the Lord in Israel, I'm going. So he gets together his chariots, his horses, his group of people. They get on, they ride, and they go to Israel, and that's where we pick up the story. The Bible says this in verse 9. So Naaman came with his horse and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him saying, Go and wash in the river Jordan seven times. And your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Simple, easy. Naaman has a situation. He hears the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is, go to the river, dip yourself down seven times, and on the seventh time, as you come up, you will receive what you're looking to receive. And I know you and I are thinking, well, just do it. But I would imagine you can 
deduct that by me reading the story, Naaman didn't just do it. He got complicated. He complicated simplicity. And I believe the things of God are so simple. We complicate things. And, and, and so many times the question, why? Well, why? Holds us back from living the most incredible, awesome experiences in life. The Bible says this in verse 11. But Naaman was angry, went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and instead, and stand, excuse me, and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, far better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went, turned and went away in a rage. Imagine that. He has a situation. The word of the Lord, simple, dip yourself seven times, and on the seventh time, as you come up, you will be healed. And Naaman starts to complicate. Dip myself seven times. Well, why? Why? And then he goes into this whole thing of concocting a plan. No, no, I got a better plan. Nah, that can't be. I got a plan. Have you ever had a plan? Have you ever, have you ever come up with a plan? No, 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 I know what I'm doing. You know, this is what you need to do. No, 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 I know what I'm doing. I'll tell you that, I got a plan has almost killed me and my wife many times. She's sitting down here in the front row, second row. I remember Pastor Dwayne mentioned that Carl and I have been missionaries in Mexico for 30 years, still live there. We live in Saltillo, Mexico. And uh, many, many years ago, when we first went to Mexico, 30 years ago, we lived in a in little Indian town. Pastor Dwayne has talked about that Indian town because uh, him and, 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 and Jeannie lived there long before us. And then, and then we just followed in their footsteps. So we lived in the, in the same town. What's that? Long time. Years. 150 years before us. Their, their house is actually a museum and they have wax Dwayne. I'm just kidding you. That's not true. So just years later, we went to, to live in this little Indian town. And I worked with the same Indian man, Pastor Dwayne lived, with, with, with Benancio. And so we lived in this little house. Matter of fact, I found out later it was the same exact house that they lived in. Well, when we got there, this house was cockroach infested. So I would go away in the evenings and go preach in these towns. When I would come home, I would turn on the lights. I'd get home midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, whatever. I'd turn on the lights, and there would be these little plastic, like, yogurt cups and butter cups tipped upside down all over the, the, the house where Carla had taken, she hates insects, but, and she had taken and she had trapped the, the cockroaches, but she didn't want to kill them. So I, my ministry after ministry was go home and <laughs> kill the cockroaches. So Carla tells me one day, she's like, John, can't we, can we fume again, please? Well, we, we had just went on the mission field and, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have diddly. We didn't have nothing. And so, and, and I'm, I come from Dutch background. I was like, I ain't spending no money on fumigating. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. So, so I said, hey, I, I'll take care of it. I got a plan. Well, what are we going to do? I know what I'm doing. So, 
So one day I was out preaching, came back home, and on the way back, in, I went through this construction zone in, in, in Mexico. They do construction, and at whatever time they're going to leave, they just leave. They just leave. What, wherever it's at, they just leave it. So they had gotten to the point to where they sprayed this liquid asphalt all over the road, and the time clock hit leaving time, and they left. So they just sprayed asphalt, and they have liquid asphalt on this road. And didn't put the rocks on it. So I ran through it, asphalt all over the side of my vehicle. Got home that night. Next morning, woke up, and I thought, well, I better clean up the side of my car. It had black all over. So I had a, a, a tank of gas, and, and so I was put gas on a rag, and I was wiping down the side of my, my vehicle, and I had an idea. I know what I'm going to do. Just outside of our house, in this little passageway, there was this register, it was, a, it was a steel cap where the drain, it was, it was to the drain, it was about that big around, it would go down into the drain, and I knew that's where all the cockroaches live, they come out of the drain. So I thought, I don't know what I'll pour gas down there, kill them all. So I said, can't go, she was, I was, she was inside, I was outside, we, that was, we were young, we were having all our kids there, she was pregnant, she had a little basketball on the inside, you know, she'd come waddling out, wait a minute, I said, give me a screwdriver, I'm gonna, what you gonna do? I said, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm taking care of the cockroaches. What are you going to do? So I'm going to pour gas down, that, down the drain, down the register. No, you, I, I know what I'm doing. Don't mess with it. I know what I'm doing. But you know, no, 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 but. Just give me a screwdriver. <laughs> if I would do, do that today, she'd blow me off. She's like, I ain't getting you no screwdriver. <laughs> but she did then. So she gets the screwdriver. I open that thing up. Cockroaches scatter. So, so I poured the, the gas in there, and I'm just, I'm imagining in my mind, you know, the cockroaches, ah! dying, and that's it. Boom, I put the thing back in. I thought, they're dead. Went back. I'm cleaning the side of my car, and I thought, I know what I'll do. I'm going to light them on fire. <laughs> hey, Carla, bring me out some matches, would you? Well, matches? What are you going to do? I said, I'm burning them out of there, too. <laughs> no, don't do that. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I got a plan. So... I got the screwdriver, lift that back up, put gas in there again, put it back down. And, and that steel top there had like four suction or breathing holes there. Well, they're breathing holes, but, but then they turned into suction holes. They, so I poured gas on the top of it. And I'm not a plumber. I don't know anything that's going on. But, so I poured gas on the top. I said, stand back. So I, stand back, I took that thing. Poof. So when I, when I threw the match at it, it lit and... And, it, and the fire was on top of the cap. But, and I've, it takes me longer to explain this than, than, than as fast as it really went. Basically, there was fire on top of the cap for seconds. Then all of a sudden there was a noise, kind of like a suction noise. And the fire on top disappeared. And all of a sudden, that noise went. An explosion, the steel cap. I'll cut somebody's head off. We're blowing back. I'm laughing the whole house. You know, the windows are like. <laughs> I'm back down with dude. Did you see that? Walked inside where the tubes go up in the, the cement walls, because they're cement walls, blew them out. Walked in the bathroom. Anything that was in the toilet, boom, was on the roof. You know, it was like dripping. Like hokey moly. Imagine if you're sitting there reading a magazine or something. You know. <laughs> so, 
because I got a plan. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I got a better way of doing this thing. You know, it's, it's funny when, when you think about, you know, something crazy like that. But it's not funny when the word of the Lord comes and, and all you have to do is do it. But we come up with a better plan. You've got people blowing up marriages, blowing up relationships, blowing up their lives. Because we got a plan. We got a better plan. I could tell you stories all day long. <laughs> You're thinking, don't do it. <laughs> in that same house, I remember that same house. One day came back from, from uh, traveling. We'd been gone for a couple of weeks, came back, and the grass in our backyard was grown about that high. So, and I didn't have a lawnmower at that time because the grass hardly ever grew. But so, so I thought, well, what are we going to do? I thought, I got to take care of the backyard. And it wasn't that big, probably, you know, it's not big. I thought, well, we got two options. One, cows are always in front of our house. I thought I can bring a couple cows into the backyard and they can eat the grass. But they would have to go through the kitchen to do that. And Kyle's like, they ain't coming through my kitchen. (laughs) Could have been the Chick-fil-A cows, you know, eat more chicken as they go through a machete and I'm going to chop the grass down. So I'm like, ah, just give me a machete and I'll cut the grass. Car's like, you don't know how to handle a machete. I'm like, what? It's a big knife. I can handle a machete. I know what I'm doing. You better just give me a machete. I know what I'm doing. So, so I get it. So she, we get a machete and I'm cutting the grass and yeah, it's real work, you know. So I'm pretty soon my back's hurting. I thought, ah, I'm going to kneel down. Then my back is hurting a little bit more and I put my hand down kind of like this. Yeah, so you guys all can see what's going to happen. I could not see what was going to happen. So, and I had my hand kind of over here. So in one of those things, I whiffed. I, you know, kind of went too high, didn't hit the grass, and boom! Sliced my arm right open, right here. That baby laid open. It, it, you know, it was, it was deep, but it's not very deep because there's bone there. So I went right to the bone. And I'm like, what's so funny about that? So, so I thought, well, I can't tell Carla. She told me I didn't know how to use this sophisticated <laughs> instrument. So, so I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought, I'll get me some super glue and just glue that thing together. So, hey, Carla, we got any super glue? Yeah, what do you need that for? I'm like, ah, I got a situation you know, I'm dealing with. So she didn't, at the time, she never knew what I did. Later on, I told her what I did. So I took it out there, super glued my arm together. Good to go. So I take off again. I thought, I'm not be- getting down on my knees anymore. So, so I'm up there, and all of a sudden, pop. Like, what the world? There's this copper tube that runs along this cement thing, and I cut right in the copper tubing. I'm like, oh, my Lord. So I'm trying to figure out what to do. So I, so I go over and shut the gas tank off, and Carla says, hey, there, my, my oven's not working. I'm baking cookies. And I know I got a little situation I'm fixing out here. <laughs> So I called up a friend of mine. His name was Salomon. It's like, hey, Salo, his dad owned a, a hardware store. Salo, get some stuff. And give me a coupling over here and fix up my, my tube. I cut it. All right. So he comes over. Salo fixes it up. Then uh, turned the gas back on. We checked it out. See, lit a match on it. See if there's any fire going on there. <laughs> That's the way I check gas out. And... Uh, we were good to go. Well, the, the, our oven, we had this ancient oven. I really do think we inherited it from Pastor Duane and Jeannie. This thing was trashed out. They, 
The oven door would not open. All the, the, I don't know if the springs were all rusted or anything, but it opened like about four or five inches. So you have to kind of put your food in it. I'll drop out as you go in. But anyways, Carla yells out to me, John, the house is filling up with gas. Well, yeah, I turned the gas back on out here. I said, I'll be in there. I'll take care of it. So I walked in. She had shut the gas off in the oven, but it was full of gas. So I walked in. I said, I'll light the stove for or light the oven for you. No, 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 no. I said, yeah, yeah, we're good. I opened the window. Good. Give me some matches. No, 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 no. Give me some matches. I know what I'm doing. I used to wear cowboy boots. I had this mustache, this kind of Mexican mustache. Stuck, stuck my head in there. <laughs> and it, it was like that. When, when the match went, boom! <laughs> Blow back my face. My mustache is all white, all my hair white. I used to have hair come down. It started here, now it starts way up here. <laughs> Carlos bashed up against the wall, the back of the wall. And I look and say, You all right? And, and she just, like a tear coming down. I thought, what's the matter? What's the matter? These were her words. John, you're going to kill us. I know you're going to kill us sooner or later. (laughs) Because I got a plan. I know what I'm doing. the door to that oven because when I went that thing said boom 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 all the way I'm like fix that joker because I got a plan Naaman's like hey what are you talking about dip seven times I got a better plan and that new plan Instead of just the simple, whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. Nah, we complicate things. And people with situations in their lives with marriage or their children need something like healing or something financial. You know, you think of... Of finances, and, and, and the Bible's real clear. God says, look, honor me, put me first in everything that has to do with your finances, and I will bless you, and I will take care of you. But we come up with a, we come up with a plan. I'm going to work more. I know if I work more, I, I've got to. And instead of just simply listening to Jesus and doing it, we, we have this question mark, well, I don't get it. If I can't get it, then I'm not going to do it. And we miss out on the most extraordinary things that God would love to do in our lives. You know, we have a situation in our marriage, and the Bible says, be faithful. See it through all the way. Who doesn't have situations in their marriage? Be faithful. See it through. Love one another. Honor one another. Work it out. It can be great. And we're like, hey, I don't know. I think I need to. I need another one. We've got human rubble everywhere because we have a plan. Simple application of the Word of God. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. It's so simple, 
And because we live in such a complex world, I think we, we complicate things. Friends, it's not that hard to live the most incredible, extraordinary life that God has destined for you and for me. Naaman, the Bible says he went away angry and he's like, I'm out of here. I don't get this, so I don't get it. I'm not doing it. The Bible says, but his servants came near to him and said, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. In, in another version of the Bible, basically it says, it's so simple what he's told you. Will you not even just give it a shot? It's, just, it's a great word that what the prophet has, has told you. He has actually just said, wash and be clean. Somehow, some way they convinced him, hey, give the word of the Lord a shot. Bible says in verse 14, so he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. Or we could take that and just say according to the word of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. That's a simple story made real complex. Because a person just like you and me didn't just do what the word says. Came up with a different plan. Basically, the moral of the story is don't complicate things. Just do it. Just do it. You know, when you read the Bible or when you, you, you come to church on Sunday and somebody stands up and shares the word of the Lord to you, you know, and it, it might, might rub you the wrong way. There's, there's somebody that rubbed Naaman the wrong way. What are you talking about? Dip seven times, but, but God knows what he's doing. Knows what he's doing. Be simple. Uncomplicate things. If it's there, if God speaks it to you through his word or through somebody else or, 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 or maybe speaks to you on the inside, just do it. Just do it. Some incredible things, experiences in your life. You know, talked about 30 years ago that Carla and I went, went to Mexico. Well, I went to Mexico actually 32 years ago. Pastor Dwayne called me up one day. He said, hey, you want to go to Mexico with me? I, was, I had been really committed, safe for, for, for three months. Went to Mexico, May 23rd, 1984, up in a little Indian village, 530 in the afternoon, walked out of this little hut, and God spoke to my heart and said, John, this is where I want you to begin. Simple word of the Lord. Blew my mind away. It's like, what? First of all, why me? I don't speak this language. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't eat this hot food. (laughs) There's a million reasons why not. But I was either simple enough or whatever to say, well, you said it, so I'm going to do it. Now, 30-some years later, I look back and think of of the most incredible experiences that God's allowed us to live. Probably in every nation of Latin America, extraordinary, unbelievable things. Things of impact. And I think, man, did he know what he was doing. And it's not me, it's him. Can't imagine 
not just doing it. You know, y'all know, well, many of you know me and know that we actually partner, partner together, Resurrection Life, you and me together in, in Cuba. Uh, we've been partnering together for 23 years, and you all have been an incredible part of what's happened there. But I remember when I first went to Cuba, and, and uh, about the sixth time there, I took a little team with me, and we were, we, were, we were doing this clandestine camp. It was illegal, and we had 300 young people, and it was, it was out of this world. We got arrested. We got arrested by the Cuban officials, police. They found out what we were doing, took us to prison, then transported us to Havana, and we were in, in prison. Next morning, government official comes in, and they pulled me in the back, and they were threatening. They're like, this 15 years in prison for you doing what you were doing. So they officially deported us. They said, you never come back. If you ever lay foot in this island again, 15 years in prison, you'll go directly from immigration to prison. You understand? I said, yep, I understand. Didn't say I was going to obey. About eight months later, the word, I heard the word of the Lord on the inside of me. All right, it's time to go back to Cuba. <laughs> like, what? God, I don't know if you were there, but I was. And uh, they said 15 years. Why me? You got a whole lot of other people out there. Why? You know, and it was the why, why, why. I want you to go back. I guess it's just simplicity of saying, all right, well, we'll do it. And I remember going back. I remember there was, it's a long story, but miracles and things that have happened, just getting through and then throughout the years, building Bible schools across the whole island and sponsoring pastors. And we're kind of your hands in Cuba. Every time you give to, uh, you're giving here at this church, some of that goes and helps do what we're doing in Cuba. And I was just there a couple months ago when I left the island. I, I was training hundreds and hundreds of pastors that pastor 5, 10, 15, 20 churches across the island. I remember finishing up the time that I was just teaching leadership and kind of walking, taking a few steps back, and I thought, man, I can't imagine not experiencing, experiencing, experimentando, (laughs) experiencing this today. I'm so glad we just took the simple position of, ah, we just do it. We just do it. See what happens. God's got that for you. He's got that for you. So many awesome, incredible experiences. The dreams that are on the inside of you are birthed out of. If Jesus said it, just do it. And you'll live the most extraordinary things in life. Two weeks from now, I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking, of, yeah, we're, we're in the middle of that. Matter of fact, we got a couple of these things going on. And uh, two weeks from now, I work with a man named John Maxwell. Many of you have read his books. And, and, and we like to do big things in different countries. And so we, 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 we like to just do nations. Let's just do a nation. So... We were talking about what, what should we do, so we picked the nation of Paraguay. Paraguay is an incredible country on this continent because 150 years ago, Paraguay, Paraguay had a, a war with Uruguay, Argentina, and Brazil. And Paraguay was left, 150 go, 50 years ago, was left with only 2,000 men in the nation. 
under 20 years old. Only 2,000. So that nation has struggled, and, and, and really it's the women of the nation have built that nation. It's, and, and, it's, and it's starting to come back, and that nation is, is on a course. And so we, we kind of pinpoint that nation and said, okay, we're, 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 taking, we're, going to take, we're, we're going to take that nation. It's Paraguay. So once we decided, then the president of Paraguay said, well, come on in. Let's do leadership. So in two, in two weeks, we're going to get on an airplane, go down there. We're going, to, we're going to have massive meetings with all the government, with the president and all his government people, with the educational sector, with, with the with media sector, with all the churches, Christians, Catholic, everybody, anybody that's got a church, doesn't matter what kind, we're bringing them all together. We're going to teach leadership principles and, 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 and Bible values to 750,000 people in Paraguay. 750,000 is 10% of Paraguay. And they say if you can influence 10% of a nation, you, you can create a tipping point in that nation. And, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it. What are you doing? You, say, you might think you can't do that. Well, don't let me know that because I'm going to give it a shot. Jesus said it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. There, there's the most incredible things. I'm telling you, just, just, just things that we've experienced and that we're doing. But he's got the same thing for you. He's got the same thing. If you'll just follow Mother Mary's piece of counsel, whatever Jesus tells you to do, For more information about ResLife, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.